Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is today's gospel, Mark chapter 10. We'll hear again these words. (coughs) Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in certain parts of Asia, they have a clever way of trapping monkeys. They get a jar that has an opening just big enough for the monkey to get his hand in. And then they attach that jar to something significant that won't move like a wooden post or something. And they bait it with a nut or a piece of candy. Then the monkey comes along and he sticks his hand in the jar to get that treat. But when his hand wraps around the nut or the piece of candy, it makes a fist that's too big to get back out of the jar. But because he wants that tasty treat so badly, he won't let go of it. And so there he sits with his hand stuck in the jar, trapped by his own greed. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. In the portion of God's word before us today, we meet a man who got his hand caught in the jar and just wouldn't let go. He was in love with his money. And perhaps even worse than that, this man was confident in his own goodness before God. Jesus looked at this man and loved him. He loved him by being brutally honest with him, calling him to repentance. And he loved him by doing what is impossible for that man to do. My friends, God's word today assures us that Jesus does the same thing for us. Jesus looks at us and he loves us. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem when a man came up and fell before him on his knees. Now this man we know from the account before us and also from the other gospel writers was young, he was rich, and he was a ruler. Probably that means that he was the ruler of his local synagogue, which would also indicate that he was a very religious man. So this guy was respected, he was upstanding, he was well-to-do, He had a lot going for him. Probably his parents just beamed with pride. But then he had a conversation with Jesus, and that conversation made very clear that this man was far from perfect. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And we can already find fault with his question. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Now some hear in Jesus' words at first a confession, an admittance that he isn't really God. That wasn't Jesus' point at all. Jesus' main point is that only God can claim to be good. If you want to be good enough to get to heaven, in other words, you have to be as good as God. That's exactly what God himself said. He said, be holy, because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So Jesus was being very blunt with this young man. He said, you want to get to heaven? Keep the commandments. Keep them as well as God does. Keep all of them flawlessly. Be perfect. Well, the young man certainly thought he was on the right path. He just about broke his own arm, patting himself on the back. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And you know what? I bet he had. At least to a point in an outward sense. 
I mean, this young man probably hadn't actually gone out and committed cold-blooded murder. And I'm sure he hadn't actually physically cheated on his wife. Uh, he wasn't known to be a thief among his friends. He wasn't known to be a dishonest man. Uh, he loved his wife. He was obedient to his parents. Outwardly, he looked pretty good. But inwardly, his heart was rotten to the core. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, you have to understand right away that Jesus wasn't actually giving this man the way that he could earn eternal life in heaven. Nobody can earn eternal life in heaven. As we've seen, that's impossible. In love for this man, Jesus said what he said to expose the sin that was in his heart, the greed, the idolatry in his heart. You see, this man who boasted that he had kept all the commandments since he was a boy had not even kept the first. You shall have no other gods. His money was his God. He worshipped his wealth, and he wasn't about to turn from that lifestyle. And so rather than coming to Jesus and confessing his sin and seeking the forgiveness that only Jesus can give, he went away sad, disappointed with this teacher that he had thought was good. Does any of this thinking sound at all familiar to you? I bet if you went out today to Shopco or something here in town and asked somebody, hey, if you were to die today and, uh, and God, you stood before God and he said, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you tell him? Most people would say something that squares beautifully with the way this rich young ruler thought. That you have to do something to get to heaven. That you have to be good. And we, of course, say, no, no, no. We're just saying, your work's not mine, O Christ. And rightly so. We don't think that way, right? Because we're Lutherans. We believe in salvation by God's grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But not so fast. We still have a sinful nature, don't we? And so that kind of thinking can still worm its way back into our hearts and our minds. I mean, we think about it a little bit. You know, we're, we're pretty good people. We try to be kind to our neighbors. We try to be uh, loving to our spouses and faithful to them. We pay our taxes. We obey the laws of the land. And after all, we're church-going people, right? There's a little part of our brain in the back that says all of that has got to count for something before God. No, 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 and a thousand times no. In brutal loving honesty today, Jesus reminds us that no one is good except God alone. No matter how hard we try, we cannot measure up to God's demands. We cannot earn anything from him. Well, I'll take that back. There is something we've earned from him. We've earned his anger. We've earned eternal punishment. After all, the wages of sin is death. A little more personally, does something about this man remind you of yourself just a little bit? Jesus said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And probably when you heard that, you thought to yourself, well, Jesus isn't talking about me because I'm certainly not rich. Not so fast. I would say that all of us here in God's house today are rich, materially rich. And I'll show you that by just talking about your clothing. All of you came in here today well-dressed and certainly dressed in clothing that is appropriate for the weather that we're having today. Uh, I wonder how many people in the world have more than one set of clothing. 
I wonder how many people have a washer and dryer in which they can take care of their clothing. I wonder how many people, when a piece of clothing wears out or just becomes unfashionable, can drive in their car to the store and purchase a new one. And I wonder how many people have in their home a dresser and a closet. And by the way, I just mentioned a home in which that dresser and closet are located. And everything I just mentioned to you, we consider as basic necessities. Think of the things that maybe aren't really basic necessities. How many televisions do you have? How many computers? How many sets of golf clubs? Uh, How many tablets? How many pairs of shoes? How many pieces of jewelry? You know, even though the checking account may not have a balance of millions and millions of dollars, relative to the rest of the world, my friends, trust me, we are fabulously wealthy. Is that wrong? No, not at all. Thank God for His grace in providing generously our daily bread. The problem is not money. It's never money. It's the love of money. My friends, sometimes we too get caught with our hand in the jar, don't we? You know, what Jesus said to that man, I've often wondered, what if He came and said the same thing to us today? What if Jesus stood before us this morning and He said, I want you to sell everything that you have and give the proceeds to the poor and then come and follow me. Would we react any differently than that man did? Would we be tempted to go away sad? Of course, Jesus does not ask this of us. He does not require this of us. And yet, the question is worth pondering, isn't it? I mean, what's more important to me? My God or my greenbacks? My Savior or my stuff? Which do I think about more? Which do I work harder for? Do I have possessions? Or do possessions have me? It's very easy for us to look at this man in our text and think, oh, what an arrogant, greedy fool. It's not so easy to look into the mirror and have the same reaction. And yet, my friends, that is exactly what our Savior wants for us. In love for us, he bluntly calls us to repentance of our sins, including our sin of greed. So, the rich young man went away. He listened to the teacher. Uh, He examined his priorities. Jesus and his word were not among his priorities. He was done with the Savior and he left. At this point, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And here's the disciples' reaction. They were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. The disciples were even more amazed and said to one another, Who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible. Jesus' conversation with that man pricked his disciples' conscience as they began to think about themselves after Jesus' brutal honesty and began to wonder, is there any hope for us then? How can we possibly hope to be saved because we are sinners as well? Again, trying to save yourself is like trying to stuff that thousand-pound camel through the eye of a needle. It just doesn't work. And that, my friends, is exactly Jesus' point. We cannot save ourselves. The Apostle Paul told the Romans, No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. If it was left up to us, to our efforts, our strength, our ability, our goodness, we would be sunk. Salvation is impossible for us to gain. And yet, my friends, Jesus accomplished the impossible for us.
Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And I want you to just think about all the impossible things that our Lord Jesus did. There's a long string of impossible things that he did in order to save us. He took on human flesh in the womb of a virgin so that he could be our substitute and live under God's law in our place. A virgin birth, God in human flesh. Impossible, right? And yet, Jesus did that for us. And then he kept every one of his Father's commands with flawless obedience at all times in thought and word and action. That's impossible. But Jesus did it for us. And amazingly, God gives us the credit for Jesus' holy life. Jesus then went to the cross where he died. Now, that doesn't seem so impossible, right? People die all the time. And certainly in Jesus' day, a lot of people died by crucifixion. But I want you to realize something about that crucifixion. God died on that cross. That's impossible. And yet Jesus, the God-man, did it for us to make the full payment for our sins by his holy and precious blood. And then Jesus, three days later, did one more impossible thing. He rose bodily from the grave, as he always said he would. That's impossible. People don't come back from the dead. But my friends, Jesus did. And he did it to give us the victory, a victory that he shares with us and all who believe in him, a victory that guarantees our own bodily resurrection. So, forgiveness for all of our sins, a new life as God's dearly loved children, and an eternity in heaven. We cannot possibly gain those things for ourselves. But Jesus won them all for us. And now, through his word and sacrament, the Spirit gives us faith to receive those blessings as our own. Something else, by the way, that's impossible for us, faith. But not for God. All things are possible with God. My friends, like that rich young ruler, we sometimes get our hand caught in the jar, clinging to the trinkets and baubles of this world, trapped by our own greed. Thank God we have a Savior. Thank God we have a Savior who bluntly, through His Word, calls us to repentance. Thank God we have a Savior who took our sins on Himself and paid for all of them on the cross and rose again for our salvation. Thank God we have a Savior who every day forgives us every sin and gives us the gift of eternal life. By the Spirit's gift of faith, cling to Him. Cling to the one who looks at us and loves us. God grant that to us all for Jesus' sake. Amen.